Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Thank you, Caitlin, for that lovely music. Really is fantastic message in the song, isn't it? With the, you know, if we can, if we can all stick to that, we can all remember to do that whenever necessary, and instead of trying, you know, handling some of our trials on our own, take them to God. Anyway, it's great to be here with you on the Sabbath day after the feast. It really is wonderful to be here, to hopefully to get to know some of you. Uh, my name is John Plunkett, and uh, my wife and I, Trish, we live on Vancouver Island in a town, little town called Qualicum Beach, um, just about 30 miles north of Nanaimo, where the Nanaimo CGI congregation meet together. And it's a beautiful island, but uh, it's great to be here too. Um, we flew in from, we went to the feast in Florida, which was really nice, but too hot for me. Uh, but it was great to, to meet a lot of brethren down there, and we had a wonderful feast. But uh, coming from that heat into the cool of Ontario, uh, that was quite a shock. But uh, we, we, liked, we liked cool. But to see the beautiful autumn colors here, we don't get that back west, you know. I mean, we get some... It's, it's very evergreen over there, and, uh, but it's still a beautiful place to live. But to come and see the wonderful, gorgeous colors here is, uh, you know, really icing on the cake for, for being with you. Okay. Well, each autumn, after we've all arrived safely home from the Feast of Tabernacles and the last great day, what is the first obstacle that we have to face, or rather that our young people, our children have to face? It's Halloween. It's Halloween. And in the, in the sermon today, I'd like to ask a couple of questions. I'd like to ask the question, what is so hallowed about Halloween? I'd like to... Uh, and maybe this, a lot of this might be new to, to some of you, but I think it's a good reminder for us all. I'd like to show you that the observance of Halloween in the 21st century is just as wrong in God's sight as it's always been. And I'd also like to encourage uh, you parents as well to give extra help to your children at this time of year during the Halloween season. They re- need that very much. Okay, to begin with, our Creator knows us very well. He knows that we are weak human beings. He knows that we are forgetful creatures. He knows that we need constant reminders of what is right and what is wrong. And that's one of the reasons why he gives us his Holy Day cycle year after year. To, to rehearse these things, to go over them. He knows better than we know that human nature, which we still have, 
has a it has kind of a let's go back to that aspect to it you know let's go back to to that sometimes it seems that if one of god's teachings or doctrines hasn't been officially mentioned for a while say in a sermon or a bible study or in an article of church literature that we begin thinking that perhaps that teaching is no longer applicable however although we may not have heard about it for a while about halloween for a while it has definitely not somehow magically improved in fact with all of the recent cult-like popularity of certain books and movies such as the twilight series the harry potter series and these ridiculous zombies series, it, the observance of Halloween is probably getting worse as time goes on. But I believe that in God's opinion, that Halloween once again is still as wrong and as evil as it always was. And for God's people especially, it's still very much to be avoided. So again, I'd like to remind us remind you and remind myself of its origins according to Webster's dictionary the word Halloween the term Halloween is a shortened form of all hallows even or all hallows evening and I'd like to read you a quote from uh, Compton's encyclopedia a brief excerpt from their article on Halloween okay so I quote Customs and superstitions gathered through the ages go into the celebration of Halloween or All Hallows' Eve on October the 31st. The Christian, quote, uh, quote, Christian, unquote, festival of all saints. It has its origins, however, in the autumn festivals of earlier times. The ancient Druids had a three-day celebration at the beginning of November And they believed that on the last night of October, the spirits of the dead roamed abroad and they lit bonfires to drive them away. Hence bonfires. In ancient Rome, the festival of Pomona, the goddess of fruits and gardens, occurred at about this time of year. It was an occasion of rejoicing associated with the harvest. Again, we see something of a a counterfeit a satanic counterfeit of God's holy days, and we'll talk about that more in a minute, and nuts and apples as symbols of the winter store of fruit were roasted before huge bonfires. But these agricultural and pastoral celebrations also had a sinister aspect with ghosts and witches thought to be on the prowl on that night. Even after November the 5th, Fifth, sorry, November the 1st became a Christian, again, quote, unquote, feast day, honoring all saints. Many people clung to the old pagan beliefs and customs that had grown up about Halloween. Again, this is not from a church literature. This is right from a, uh, a worldly encyclopedia. Um, some tried to foretell the future on that night, by performing such rites as jumping over lighted candles. And in the, British, in the British Isles, great bonfires blazed for the Celtic festival of Samhain. Samhain. 
laughing, laughing bands of geezers, geezers, G-U-I-S-E-R-S, and these were young people uh, disguised in grotesque masks, carved lanterns from turnips, and carried them through the villages. In the United States, children carved faces on hollowed-out pumpkins and put lighted candles inside to make jack-o'-lanterns. Halloween celebrations today reflect many of these early customs. Stores and homes display orange and black figures of witches, bats, black cats, and pumpkins, and people dress in fanciful outfits and go to costume parties where old-fashioned games like bobbing for apples is a uh, reference to the Roman Pomona there. In tubs of water may be a part of the festivities. Children put on costumes and masks and go from house to house demanding trick or treat. And the treat, usually candy, is generally given and the trick rarely played. Some parents feel this custom is dangerous. And again, this is in the encyclopedia. There have been numerous instances in which sharp objects or poisons have been found in candy bars and apples. To provide an alternative to begging for candy from strangers, many communities schedule special supervised parties and events at Halloween. Close quote there. So this article, this encyclopedia article, says that Halloween precedes a Christian festival of Hallowmas or All Saints Day. But let's ask the question, how truly Christian is this Hallowmas, which we might consider to be the, the daytime portion of Halloween? We have another short quote here. This one is from the Encarta Encyclopedia on All Saints Day. It says, All Saints Day, also All Hallows or Hallowmas, is a festival celebrated on November the 1st in the Roman Catholic and Anglican churches in honor of God and all his saints, both known and unknown. It became established as a church festival early in the 7th century when the Pantheon in Rome was consecrated as the Church of the Blessed Virgin and all martyrs. It's actually been to Rome and it's actually gone back to the Pantheon again. So, says Pope Gregory the uh, Pope Gregory the Fourth gave the custom gave the custom official authorization in 835 A.D. November the first may have been chosen because it was the day of one. And again, this is not from a church publication. This is from an, a worldly encyclopedia because it was the day of one of the four great festivals of the pagan nations of the north, and it was church policy to supplant pagan with Christian observances. So, it would appear then that this Pope Gregory thought that it was quite all right to ignore God's fall feasts that are clearly commanded in the scriptures. And he thought that it was okay, that it was quite acceptable to keep a feast of his own patterned after the pagan festivals a month later. And he thought it was okay to keep his feast, this Hallowmas, in a completely opposite and unauthorized manner. Pope, Greg, Pope Gregory obviously did not learn the lesson from the bad example of King Jeroboam of Israel. 
who made this very same mistake, exactly the same mistake, and he was severely punished for it. Please turn over to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. First Kings chapter 12. Just going to drop. And verse 27, please. First Kings 12:27. If this people go up, it's talking about at the time of God's fall feasts. Uh, says that in verse 32 which we'll come to if this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord even unto Rehoboam king of Judah and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam king of Judah whereupon the king took counsel and made two look what he did he made two cards of gold and said unto them not to the, car, the golden cows, but to the, Israel, uh, the Israelite people. It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now, in the same way as Pope Gregory made the same mistake as Jeroboam, Jeroboam made the same mistake as Aaron uh, back at the time of the Exodus. As this was virtually exactly the same words that uh, the misguided Aaron said when he made the first and most well-known golden calf. Again, shortly after the exodus from Egypt. Let's continue in verse 29. And he set the one in Bethel and the other put he in Dan. And this thing became a sin. You need to remember that. For the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. And he made a house of high places and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. They're the ones who were supposed to be the priests. Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month. In the eighth month, on the 15th day of the month, like unto the feast, the true feast of God that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel. Again, not a place that was chosen to be by God to be uh, to place his name there. Okay, placed his name at that time in Jerusalem, not anywhere else. Okay, verse. Uh, okay, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made, and he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel on the 15th day of the 8th month, even in the month which he had devised of his own, of his own heart, and ordained a feast until the unto the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burnt incest, incense. Very dangerous move that was. He obviously forgot the lessons and the bad examples of Aaron, and also Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. Remember what happened to them. So we need to be able to see from this anyway how important it is for us to, to do our level best to ensure that we keep God's feasts at the time that he commanded them to be kept. That is important. 
of Jeroboam's new feast was man-made. It was not one of God's commanded festivals. It was in the wrong place. It was in the wrong month. It was kept in the totally wrong way, and it was a counterfeit. And we need to remember, we need not to forget, brethren, who is the great counterfeiter. As time goes along, you're going to see some of the Satan's counterfeits in the world are going to be getting close to God's truth. And we've got to be careful that we're not led astray. Anyway, now Jeroboam's feast, although it was at approximately the same time as Halloween, and it also included idolatrous content, it does not necessarily suggest that he copied it from the pagan predecessors of Halloween, but it's still very possible that he did. We're not absolutely sure that he did, but um, it's very possible. But again, the important thing is this. What did God think of Jeroboam's feast? What did God think of Jeroboam's feast? Was he... Was he kind of tickled? Was, it, was God's vanity? God doesn't have vanity. Was God's vanity tickled because Jeroboam added another feast in his honor? Well, no. We just read in, in verse 30 of that chapter there that he tells us this thing became a sin, a sin. And I appreciate Andrew's uh, Bible reading today because it really was a good predecessor to what I have to read now. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 1, please, if you turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 1. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers gives you. You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish out from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Let's go all the way over to, and this is repeated again, the very end of God's holy written word. Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. Just uh, pick out one verse here, please. Uh, Verse 18, Revelation 22, 18. For I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto, unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. So I'm sure that the majority of us certainly should know by now that we're to worship our God and Jesus Christ exactly where and when and how they command us to. For example, with regards to the festivals. Let's, let's, we're just right back from the feast, we've just kept the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, day of, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles and the last great day. Let's just re- remind ourselves how firm and clearly God reminds us of the dates. Let's go back to Leviticus again, please. Leviticus chapter 23. 
I know you've you've heard these verses over and over again over the last uh, couple of couple of weeks, but uh, it's a good reminder as we you know why don't we keep Halloween? This is why don't we we don't keep Halloween? Leviticus chapter twenty three verse twenty four. Leviticus chapter twenty three verse twenty four. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall In the first day of the month shall you have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Verse 27. Also on the tenth day of this seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall afflict your souls. I'm sure all you young people enjoyed afflicting your souls a couple of weeks ago. Um, I know I did. I pretend I did anyway. Uh, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the eternal. Verse 34. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the eternal. Seven days you shall offer an offering made by... Oh, sorry, that's 36. Verse 36. Seven days shall you offer an offering made by fire unto the eternal. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the eternal. It is a solemn assembly, and you shall do no servile work therein. So, again, clearly, these are the dates. These are the dates, and these are the dates that we should keep. Now, again, of course, we should know better by now than to imitate the methods of worship that were used by ancient pagan druids and Romans. In scriptures that are very familiar to us, God repeatedly warns against such copying. And here is again, I think this is the same scripture that Daniel, uh, that Adrian read. Deuteronomy chapter 12, please. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Herbert W. Armstrong used to say that uh, when, when you see something repeated, that uh, God usually is trying to uh, put the accent on that, you know. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 29. When the Lord your God shall cut off the nations from before you, where you go to possess them and you succeed them and dwell in their land, take heed to yourself that you be not snared by following them after that they be destroyed from before you, and that you inquire not after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so I will do likewise. You shall not do so unto the eternal your God. For every abomination to the Lord which he hates have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters have they burnt in the fire to their gods. And here it comes again for the third time. Verse 32. What things soever I command you, observe to do it, you shall not add thereto, nor diminish from it. Now that horrible ritual that's mentioned there in verse 31 is actually emulated to this day in some Halloween practices. I'm not saying that they do those things, uh, but uh, the 
they, they go through little um, games that, that emulate those things. And along with other disgusting and dangerous associated rites and practices, this one is mentioned again in chapter 18. Let's go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, please. <clears throat> it's mentioned again here in chapter 18, and it's warned against by God. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 9. When you are come into the land which the eternal your God gives you, you shall not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that uses divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God does drive them out from before you. And because our nations continue to do these things, that the time is coming, and I don't know when, but the time is coming when our peoples are going to be driven out from the, from the wonderful places that God has given us to live as well. Fast forward now, hundreds of years later, and God found it necessary to repeat the same warning or similar warnings as these to the wayward Israelites. And here's another, another one. It doesn't necessarily, this is a, possibly from another heathen holiday, but he gives the same kind of warning. Let's go over to Jeremiah chapter 10, please. Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 1. Hear you the word which the Eternal speaks unto you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed, dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cuts a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands and the workmen with the axe, they deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born because they cannot go. They're not self-propelled. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. Now, this may be uh, referring to a Christmas tree. It sounds that way. It could be something like a totem pole that we have uh, back west there, you know. But whichever it is, it's part of the vain customs and the ways of the heathen. And what God's pounding into our minds here is that we are not to learn them. We've got to avoid them like the plague. So in a nutshell, that is what God thinks of Halloween. So let's Again, fast forward, and let's take a quick look at Halloween in the modern world. Because to everything I've just said, you go out there 
you go into the cafe next door or go over into the golf shop across the street there, and if those people heard what I was I just said, they'd say, who cares where Halloween came from? Who cares about its pagan origins? We just want to have a bit of fun. That's all, a bit of fun. Is Halloween really just a bit of fun? Before we, we live in a town called Qualicum Beach. Before we lived there, we lived for 30 years in the beautiful city of Victoria, down at the south end of Vancouver Island. And many of God's people who came for the feast in Victoria have commented on what an idyllic place it is. And in many ways, that's true, it is. But most people don't know that that fair city of Victoria has the dubious reputation of being one of the worst cities and most active cities in the world for the practice of witchcraft right here, right here in Canada and Satan worship. It's so bad that according to one young lady who escaped from a local cult and its practices, um, she said that even in some of the highest levels of the ministry, of one of Victoria's mainstream churches, not churches, not churches of God, um, have been involved in it. I'm talking about high up bishops and that kind of thing in the mainstream churches. Um, she tried to. She had. She wrote a book, and she had it published in serial form in the Victoria Times Colonist, and it was squashed. So a couple of. Uh, items of it and then so this is real stuff you know this when you we just the, when we see you know the trick-or-treaters out on on Halloween the tip of the iceberg the real stuff is below the surface Satan would have the general public believe that serious witchcraft is only practiced in books and movies um and that it isn't really an everyday practice. But brethren, it is. It really is. And people who are involved in such things are very active in the works of darkness on the night of Halloween. Historically and traditionally, that night is one of the most important Sabbaths. And I hate to even use that term for it. Let's go over to the book of Ephesians and see what God's word warns about this. And remember now, when God inspired the apostle Paul to write these words, he was writing to a congregation of God's people. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. Ephesians 5 verse 8. For you were sometimes darkness. But now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of spirit, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship. Brethren, young people, young brothers and sisters, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And I know young people that, because I, 
I've seen it even in certain congregations, in certain church groups, that the young people are being drawn into this stuff by the likes of Twilight, by the likes of Harry Potter. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame, listen to this, it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. We're commanded by God through the Apostle Paul not even to, to avoid even the mention of the terrible things that these people get up to on Halloween and at other times too. But because God has given us a specific command here, he says it's a shame even to speak of those things. I'm not going to go into any of the scary detail. But suffice it to say, brethren and young people, young brethren, is definitely not just a bit of fun. Definitely not. Even in the more normal walks of life, Halloween, as we've seen, holds many physical dangers um, and physical dangers that God's people should avoid. We mentioned there in Compton's uh, encyclopedia article that we read earlier that occasionally we hear of Halloween treats being booby-trapped with glass or needles or razor blades. What kind of people do something like that? Uh, and the other one, and this is quite a big one, especially uh, not so much in Canada from what I've seen, but much more over in Britain, fireworks and bonfires are becoming more and more popular in their North American Halloween celebrations. And they have been for many years on their, what they call Guy Fawkes Night over in, over in England. There's a British celebration on November the 5th that has associations with Halloween and uh, the, the heathen uh, holiday of Samhain. Um, every year, every single year, the newspapers come out on November the 6th and we find that hundreds and hundreds of British children are burnt very severely, some very severely, through the misuse of fireworks and bonfires. And uh, there's a possibility that we might expect to see an increase in burn accidents here in Canada and the United States with the corresponding increase in popularity of Halloween fireworks and bonfires. But there's another kind of harm. And you might think I'm overstating this or that I'm exaggerating. What about moral harm? What, for, for, for the children who participate in this trick-or-treat tradition, what are they learning? What are they really learning? And again, some people might think I'm overstating the case when I say that they're learning that begging, extortion, and getting something for nothing are all quite acceptable. And even some light vandalism is permissible on the night of October the 31st as long as we change the name from vandalism to a trick. But again, on Halloween night, many people in Canada and the United States and increasingly in Europe as well, you know, I think the, the people who make uh, these cards and, and, uh, and all of these trappings of Halloween, they want to sell more of this stuff. So, you know, they, 
it's gone over into to Europe as well. Many people have accepted these North American uh, Halloween traditions and either, either knowingly or ignorantly they will be celebrating Satan's way of get as Herbert W. Armstrong used to describe it so aptly. They'll be celebrating Satan's way of get and they'll be celebrating death and darkness and evil and the devil, Satan the devil. And these are the very opposites of the things that God's people were celebrating just one month previously. The things that we have just been celebrating during God's full holy days. The way of give, life, light, God the Father, Jesus Christ. So again, we see that all of Satan's holidays are very cheap, inferior, commercialized counterfeits of God's true holy days. And once again, in God's sight, Halloween observance is just as wrong today as it always was. But let's admit it, Satan has done his job well, hasn't he? Satan has put a great deal of effort into making Halloween attractive, colorful, and even cute in a, in a strange, bizarre sort of way, and especially to impressionable little children. It's true that if, if our parents have taught our children well so far, that our children will by now know academically where Halloween came from. We don't have any really little children here today. But still, let's be realistic. You know, dressing up for, for kids is fun. School parties are fun. Candies and other treats are fun. And of course, school friends are fun. A certain amount of peer pressure that comes there, especially um, you know, school friends of our kids very, very important to young people. So let's, we need to remember as parents that being different is not easy for our children. It's not easy for them to turn their backs and walk away from the things that their peers or their, their friends are enjoying and discussing. It's very hard for them, very difficult so please, parents, give them as much help as you can. Got a couple of practical points, I, I hope, and some things, a few things that uh, we found useful when, when our four daughters uh, were growing up. They're all, all grown up now and got uh, three of them have got children of their own. Okay. If, if they're having a Halloween party or a dress-up day, planned at school, which is quite likely over the next couple of weeks. Take time, especially for uh, younger children, take time to have a private word with the teacher and even keep, keep them home for the afternoon or even for the whole day. Don't make them tough it out because they're not going to miss anything. They're not going to miss any worthwhile teaching on that day. It's going to be a pretty well a wasted day. On the evening of Halloween, if, if you and your children find it uncomfortable or difficult to relax on that evening at home because of 
a constant stream of trick-or-treaters knocking on the door. Don't, you know, don't, well, I'm not saying don't. I'm saying you could sit in the basement. You could turn the lights off and sit in the basement with the lights off. But what I would say is leave some lights on to deter any vandalism and go out somewhere for the evening. Pick a place where you can avoid it all or at least of as much of it as possible. Spend the evening with other brethren if, if, if you have some in your neighborhood. I know it's unlikely, but if you can find a good movie playing somewhere, you might like to go and see that. What we used to do when our children were young, our family, our Halloween avoidance tradition was to get together with at least one other church family and we go swimming at one of the local pools and we used to find that there were very few, all, you'd, all that would be there were other families from various churches and for the rest of it, we had virtually the whole pool to ourselves in more recent years, uh, now with our grandchildren, we usually go uh, to the bowling alley. And again, there's, uh, you know, there's virtually nobody there. They're all out on the streets, so you've got the, virtually the whole place to yourself, you know. But in either case, you know, you can... Oh, the other thing is we do is we always follow that up. We take them to Dairy Queen and have an ice cream. They always love that. Not so easy this year because Halloween falls on a Friday evening, beginning of the Sabbath. So not quite so easy this year, that's true. But again, please give our children that extra help and encouragement that they need to get them through this season and others like it. So let's summarize then, okay, what we've seen here. 21st century, I think we were... An advanced society, but still, the whole of the world around us is doing this stuff. And it's just as wrong in God's sight as it always was. We've refreshed our memories as to its origins. And we've, and again, I've tried to remind you parents to make sure you give your children a little bit of help with this. So Halloween, this evening of October the 31st, is bearing down on us once again just actually 13 days away from today. And that gives us almost two weeks to get ready for it. And again, we've just come back from God's wonderful feast. Before we can rejoice once again in one of God's true festivals next spring, we've got to run the gamut of Satan's counterfeit winter holidays. So let's stay as far away from them as we possibly can. Let's help our children to keep away from them as far away as they possibly can. Let's spend as much of our winter time together as we can together with other members of God's family. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.